Thanks for joining us for today's message. We encourage you to email us and let us know what God is currently doing in your life. Or if you'd like to support the ministry financially, you can do so here on our website. Right now, you're about to listen to a message from our current series. Thanks for tuning in today. I want to share a message with you today. We've been talking about know what you believe. Grace to overcome today is what we're going to talk about. We're going to look at three examples in the scriptures just for the sake of time. And I'm believing for God's grace to help me bring this out the way he started bringing it to me so that it encourages and inspires you and strengthens our faith together as a body of believers so we can do the work that God's called us to do together right here at Faith Family Church. Amen? Amen. Know what you believe. Grace to overcome. In the Strong's, the definition for Greek... The definition in the Greek for grace is a gift. It's favorable. It's gracious. And it comes liberally. A divine influence upon the heart. And it's reflectiveness in the life outwardly. God's grace is going to come and people are going to be able to see that in us. Amen? God's grace is his unmerited empowerment that gives us the ability to go beyond our natural ability. He adds his super to our natural, and things happen that change the kingdom of God and people around us. God empowers us to do his work on this earth in a way that we could not do without his empowerment. That's God's grace to overcome. I apologize about this. I forgot to do one thing this morning, and that was to get Tina the scriptures so they would be on the board. I pray that she'll do everything she can to get it up there because some of the passages that I'm sharing today are coming out of the, um, the Passion Translation. Do any of you have that? I absolutely love that translation. I primarily stay to the King James, the Amplified, the New Living, and the NIV. Kind of follow what Pastor Mike does and what he preaches out of consistently. But Kara gave me this Bible for my birthday And I started reading it, and I fell in love with how it brings this message out and expounds it like the Amplified, but in a way easier way to understand it and relate it to our natural life. So that's a lot of what I'm going to share out of today. Our first passage is in 2 Timothy 1, excuse me, 2 Timothy 2, verse 1 through 4. Timothy is being spoken to by Paul. And Paul says, Timothy, my dear son, live your life empowered by God's free-flowing grace, which is your true strength, found in the anointing of Jesus and your union with him. And all that you have learned from me, confirmed by the integrity of my life, Pass on to faithful leaders who are competent to teach the congregations the same revelations. Well, when we get God's grace and it manifests in our life, it has a purpose behind it that goes way beyond just who we are as an individual. He wants us to be an example because his grace comes in and changes our life and that will speak and testify to somebody that's in our sphere of influence. So there's great meaning behind his grace for our life. He continues and says, Overcome every form of evil 
as a victorious soldier of Jesus, the anointed one. For every soldier called to active duty must divorce himself from the distractions of this world so that he may fully satisfy the one who chose him. Every single one of us is chosen by God. And we do have to divorce ourselves from the distractions of the world. What things are they? The deceitfulness of riches, the lust for other things, the pleasures of life, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. Worldly cares, family cares, business cares. God knows what we're dealing with. And our flesh sometimes challenges us and holds him back. But if we will rely on his grace, he will supernaturally empower us to overcome every single one of those adversities or hang-ups that we have in our life. And he will grace us to get our way through to victory as we trust in him and build our union with him like he said previously. Thank you, Lord. We are not going to accomplish our divine assignment without facing opposition. Paul said everyone who wants to live a godly life will suffer persecution. That's not the most positive statement, but it should wake us up spiritually so we build ourselves up in our most holy faith and trust in his grace to overcome so that when that opposition comes, we're prepared in our spirit, man, to move to victory. Amen? Amen. We just have to endure sometimes. Persecution and affliction comes. The hang-ups we have in our own life, these little vices that try to so easily beset us through the power of sin or something that we have as a struggle. Let's stop beating ourselves down for the things that we have wrong in our life and start building ourselves up through the word of God and rely on his grace to help us overcome. Can I get an amen? amen? We can't accomplish anything of significance in this world without a fighting spirit. Every person God used mightily, people just like you and me who were anointed to impact their world had to overcome the pressures of life and the attacks of life and the opposition that comes from the enemy. And oftentimes, we have to overcome self. We have to overcome addictions, shortcomings, sometimes it's attitudes, sometimes it's insubordination, sometimes murmuring and complaining, or how about generational curses? There's all this stuff that's warring in our life for dominance or mastery. What are we going to do? We're going to submit our lives and our hearts to the Lord so we can conquer the appetites of the flesh. Just like Pastor Mike has taught us, we're going to starve those things out because that's the only way we overcome ourselves and we beat down the things that try to consume us as we starve them. Amen? The next passage of scripture we're going to look at is out of the Old Testament. It's Numbers 13. We're going to talk about just one Old Testament passage. And that's the life of Joshua and Caleb. And I want to show you as I share about that. 
how God's grace was there for everyone. But unfortunately, only two made it into the promised land. When God speaks to us and he gives us a promise for our life, for our family, our business, or whatever the case may be, we have to hold on to that promise and let nothing come and divide us from the word of God so that we fall short of what he wants for us. Some of those things I just mentioned there. Numbers 13. You know in the beginning of this chapter, God is giving Moses instruction on what to do to go in and to spy out the land. And he's very specific about what he tells them to do. Choose 12 men, leaders from every tribe, go into the land, spy it out, see what's there, is there fortified cities, etc., etc. So these 12 people, because they're leaders, they had to know some things or they would not have been chosen by Moses to go in. Correct? Okay. Starting in verse 26. Now they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and they showed them the fruit of the land. Then they told them and said, We went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey. And this is its fruit. Do you remember the description of the fruit that they brought back to show the children of Israel? Two guys carried the branch between them and the cluster of grapes was so large and so, shall we just say, beautiful. But it took two guys to carry it back. So they had evidence with them, and they saw it with their own eyes. All 12 of them. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, the Hittites and Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea along the banks of the Jordan. Then Caleb silenced the people and said, Let us go up at once, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men who had gone with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying the land through which we had gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. There we saw the giants. The descendants of Anak came from the giants. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so were we in their sight. The first thing I want to talk about there, the wheels started to fall off the wagon as soon as they opened their mouth, with the exception of what Caleb said. It is so important for us 
God gives us a promise as an individual or as a, how about a church body? And he speaks that through Pastor Mike and Vicki, drops it into their heart. They share it with the congregation. And the next thing we know, we have to be like Joshua and Caleb. We have to take a hold of that thing, get it into our heart, trust in the Lord's grace to overcome everything we're going to face, and then we have to patiently endure and persevere until we see the manifestation of God's grace to get us to the promised land that he spoke to our pastors. Amen. The keys to tap into God's grace is to believe him. Know what you believe. We have to watch our words. And let's speak no word but that which is good to the edifying of the saints that it might minister grace to those that hear. We have to avoid bad company at times. And we have to submit and endure. Bad company. I have spoken this to the lives of my children so many times. Because bad company corrupts good people. And when there is somebody that's in our life that is speaking contrary to what the word of God says over us, we don't need to walk away. We need to run. Some people, we're never going to change. Heavens Almighty, we want to because we want them to come into the salvation knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. But at some point, I believe God gives us the wisdom to know we got to get them out of our life. I walked away from my old life when I was about 22. I struggled till I was about 24, 25. Spent some time in the wilderness because I got born again, didn't know what to do. Then I found Faith Family Church a little while after that and started coming here in 1995. I remember getting a phone call from one of my friends. And he asked me to come and join him. He was in a different state. And I was pondering that decision because I knew if I went there what was going to happen to my life based on the fruit that I saw in them. No judgment or condemnation. I just knew I wanted something different than what I was doing compared to getting high all day and drunk every weekend. Carousing and this, that, and the other. I loved what Randy said Wednesday night. He shared, and he was very transparent about some of the struggles that he's had. I wanted to be very transparent, too, today, and share a whole bunch of my wife's problems, okay? <laughs> but for the sake of time, I'm not going to do that. I won't call her out today for her issues. You want to know what my wife's biggest problem is? She has to put up with me. God gave her a sense of humor to put up with my sense of humor. But I got that call, wanted me to come out, and my life was at the fork in the road. And I chose not to. Now, I still went through a bunch of things, but that road ultimately led me to Faith Family Church. Thanks be unto God 
because I came here with nothing and he started to do a work to make me a vessel and to make me an offering so that I could share my testimony with people and bring them the message of hope. Jesus saves, heals, and delivers. Amen? I got to move here. Numbers 14. I won't share a bunch on this. Just come some of the high points, okay? That night, all the members of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron. And the whole assembly said to them, If we only had died in Egypt or in this wilderness, why is the Lord bringing us into this land only to let us fall by the sword? Did God say that they were going to go into the land and fall by the sword? No. They got this stinking thinking in their head and then started professing it with their mouth and then surely they're going to eat the fruit thereof because life and death are where? In the power of the tongue. And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. So what are we going to do? We are going to take and we are going to speak the fruit that we want, which is God's scripture over every circumstance in life, and we are going to stand upon his word and allow his grace to do the work in us that he wants to do so we have a testimony, so we change lives, so we grow beyond our natural means through his supernatural grace to be what he wants us to be. Amen. Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, who were among those who explored the land, they tore their clothes, and they said to the entire Israelite assembly, the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and he will give it to us. Question, was the Lord pleased with them? He was initially until they corrupted their mouth. He had provided so much stuff for them, and they saw his hand at work in their life. Pillar of cloud by day, pillar of fire by night, Water from the rock, sandals on their feet that never wore out. They had all the evidence. Then they spy the land and see how good it is. But what didn't they do? They didn't steward their thinking, and they certainly didn't steward their mouth, and they did not guard their heart with all diligence, for out of it come the issues of life. They did not guard their heart. They did not guard their mouth. And God will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord. And do not be afraid of the people in the land. Because we will devour them. Their protection is gone. But the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. Listen, there's giants in our life especially when we've got a promise and we have to press. But the giants, for the most part, are right here in the six inches between our ears. 
So if we just work on that thing by diluting it, by putting the word of God in our mind, then it's going to bear the fruit that God wants it to bear. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Verse 26. God is speaking again to Moses and through him. But because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, that's what God wants from us. He wants us to follow him wholeheartedly and not hold back from what he's trying to do because we let doubt, fear, and unbelief get in here. I petition you, we cannot do that. It is so important that we are in church every Wednesday and Sunday forgetting the distractions of the world and getting in here to get fed. Because our lives are so busy today. I said last time we burn the candle at both ends and from both sides. It wears us out. So let's separate ourselves from the things that really aren't that important, but they seem like it for the moment. And let's be found in his house, about his business, and in subjection to his word, Luke 2. That's the life what Jesus lived. I'm not coming down on anybody. That's not me. Is it coming across that way? I'll change the tone of my voice. All I want to do is help us realize what God is trying to help us do together as a congregation in this work that we're called to do with our pastors. We're going to change this community. Your life is going to be changed, and the people around you and in your sphere of influence are going to be changed by the message of hope that is in you. Verse 30, thank you. Amen. Not one of you. I don't want to hear these words about my promise from God. Not one of you will enter the land I swore with an uplifted hand to make your home except Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, son of Nun. Verse 36. So the men Moses had sent to explore the land who returned and made the whole community grumble against them by spreading a bad report about it. These men were responsible for spreading the bad report about the land. They were struck down and they died of a plague before the Lord. Of these men who went to explore the land, only Joshua son of Nun and Caleb son of Jephunneh survived. What a shame. It wasn't supposed to be that way. That would never be the will of God for them or let's put ourselves in that place. Let us not corrupt the plan of God by idle words. Amen? Amen. If That's just one Old Testament example. Joshua and Caleb got the victory, and they received their promise. The other children did not. So we can see the way to rely on God's grace, and we can also see the way to not do it, to rely on self and get exactly what we don't want. Amen? Yeah. Now, there's a bunch of other good examples in the Old Testament. You can look at the life of Abraham, Queen Esther, Ruth, David, Daniel, Joseph. How about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? I'm not bowing before the king. 
Some trust in chariots and horses, but what are we going to do, church? We are going to remember the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's go to the New Testament and look at just two examples there, and I promise I'll start speaking fast out of respect for time, but I want us to get the content of what God wants to say to us today. The days we're living in bring many challenges to our life. None of these things can overcome God's grace to overpower them for us. If we know what we believe and we rely on God's grace to overcome them. The Bible says, if God be for us, who can stand against us? And God's power no foe can withstand. 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5, out of the New Living Translation. The reason I'm reading this passage is because Paul was speaking it to Timothy and warning him about the danger in the last days. And if we look around, I think it's very depictive of what we see in the life that we're living today. We just have to separate ourselves from it so that it don't get a hold of us and take us where we don't want to go. The Bible says this, Paul speaking, you should know this, Timothy. So just imagine Pastor Mike's up here or Pastor Vicki, and they're speaking to me. They're speaking to you as a member of this congregation and giving us the warning of the behaviors of men that we're going to see in the last day. Why does that warning come? So we avoid it. You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. For people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends. Let that not be said of us. We are not going to be Christians that flake out. Amen? Amen? So be it. Let's be good, genuine, honest, authentic Christians so that we never lose our testimony. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride and love pleasure rather than God. The world's enticing today. We just don't want to take a little nip or a little dip or a bite of it and then let it cause an appetite in us that causes us to do things contrary to this holy scripture. The scripture is sacred, so let's honor it and cherish it. We can do this. We can do everything that God wants us to do by his grace and his powering. Know what you believe. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. We have to be yoked with people who believe God's word just as we do. Where are we going to find those people? 
right here in this house. And then we're going to change some people in our sphere of influence and bring them to the same place where we found the freedom that makes us free. We're not going to find it at Happy Jacks, at Cactus Jacks, or doing Jumping Jacks. We're going to find it in God's house. And I know this. We have to keep, we have to keep our friendships with people who think just like we do. All you got to do, I tell my kids this, all we got to do as a strong Christian, any one of us is only a few bad decisions away from going back to the former life. You want that? No way. I don't like the old man. And when he tries to come out of the coffin, you know what? I'll always start to recognize those signals. I'll just use this example. If I'm not careful, let's say I'm trying to do a little project as a handyman at home because I'm terrible at it. And everything don't go my way. And then I'm in over my head. I can do one of two things. I can rely on God's grace to help me get the project done. Or... I can start getting this little thing right underneath my nose so bent out of shape that before you know it, because my fuse was lit, I blow my stack. And if I do, then usually it goes from good to bad to horrible. That's not the man that God called me to be. That's not the person God calls any of us to be. I want to read you something in the beginning of 2 Corinthians that talks about the stuff Paul was facing as he was ministering to the church at Corinth. Paul's letter to the church of Corinth is one of his most personal letters. In it, he wrote to defend his apostleship in the face of rival super apostles, as he called them, who were threatening the spiritual ground Paul had so carefully paternally tilled. In defending his ministry, Paul wrote to address a deeper issue with the Corinthian believers. He clarified how the gospel should impact every ounce of their lives. You know, sometimes I use the saying, don't over-spiritualize stuff. Well, God did give us a reason, no, God gave us common sense. However, we want his spiritual presence to affect every ounce of our life, encouraging them to stay faithful to the truth and the love that had been deposited into their hearts. That's what happens here when we come to church. The truth and love is deposited into our hearts every time pastors come and minister, every time that praise and worship team gets up here to take us to the presence of the Lord so he can speak to us and minister his grace. One truth the Corinthians had not yet grasped, which informed the purpose of this letter, 
was their inability to fully embrace the scandal of the cross. The glory of the cross is one, excuse me, the glory of the cross is the glory of the one who was crucified upon it. They had neglected to appreciate the self-suffering nature of the cross-centered life. So Paul passionately pointed to the glory that lies ahead, especially in the midst of weakness and suffering, stirring them to keep their eyes on the prize. That's what Pastor Mike and Vicki try to do to us every week. In the midst of some of the suffering that we face and the challenges that we have through our shortcomings, they try to minister that to us to help us overcome so we keep our eyes on the prize. Enduring until the very end. Second Corinthians 11. This is what Paul, he's boasting a little because those around him are boasting about their achievements and all the things that they've done. But he doesn't really want to boast in anything except what God's grace has done in his life. Again, I say, don't think that I'm a fool to talk like this. But even if you do, listen to me as you would a foolish person. While I boast a little, such boasting is not from the Lord, but I'm acting like a fool. And since others boast about their human achievements, I will too. After all, you think you're so wise, but you enjoy putting up with fools. You put up with it when someone enslaves you, takes everything you have, takes advantage of you, takes control of everything, and slaps you in the face. I'm ashamed to say we've been too weak for that. What's he saying? All these religious leaders, the scribes and Pharisees, were having people persecuted for their belief in Jesus Christ. So they're getting them and imprisoning them, just like he was before his Damascus Road experience. But whatever they dare to boast about, I'm talking like a fool again. I dare to boast about it too. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Israelites? So am I. Descendants of Abraham? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I know I sound like a madman, but I have served him far more. I have worked harder, been put in prison more often, been whipped times without number, and faced death again and again. Five times Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. You know, 40 back then was the magic number to kill someone. And he faced 39 lashes multiple times. Why do I love the life of Paul so much? Because it reminds me that my affliction is but light and momentary compared to what he went through and what Jesus Christ suffered and did for us. God's so worthy of a sacrificial life. God is so worthy for us to live a cross-centered life and to deny our flesh and our selfish ambitions. Because if we do, we're going to make it to the end and receive the crown of life that God has promised to those that love him. And it's about how many people we can bring with us to that cross to surrender their lives and hearts to him. Amen? Amen. I have faced danger from my own people 
the Jews as well as the Gentiles. I have faced danger in the cities, in the deserts, in the seas. I have faced danger from men who claim to be believers. I have worked hard and long, enduring many sleepless nights. I have been hungry and thirsty and have gone without food. I've shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. Then besides all this, I have the daily concern or burden of my concern for all the churches. Where would we be today if Paul had not done what he did to bring the message of salvation through the cross to the Gentiles, which is you and me? Where would we be today if Jesus would have turned his back on what the Father commissioned him to do? Are we grateful? Then what do we do? We prove that with how we live our life and the way we conduct ourselves as Christians. Knowing what we believe, relying on his grace, showing his mercy to those that are around us so we can bring them to the knowledge of the truth of salvation through Jesus Christ. Good place to say amen. amen. I have to ask myself, am I really denying my selfish ambitions and shouldering my cross so that life can come to someone else. I want to be able to that, be able to answer to that, yes, Lord. We want to hear those words, enter into the presence of the Lord, my good and faithful servant. Amen? But we got to work for it. We got to press, we got to endure. And by the grace of God, we shall. Second Corinthians, Paul says, when he's talking to the Corinthians, but God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, and in persecutions, and in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I don't like boasting about my weakness, but I'd rather share it with someone to show that I'm real and true, so that I really just boast in what God has done in me. Right? The power and the grace of God is real. He just needs us to give him an opportunity to prove it. Know what you believe. How do we give God an opportunity to prove it? When he tells us to do something that seems too big for us, we just watch the confession of our mouth. We take steps by faith. We rest in the Lord, but we press. Resting in the Lord doesn't mean we just stand idle. We read his word. We spend time in prayer. We seek him wholeheartedly, and we press in. Acts 20, 24, Passion Translation. But whether I live or die is not important. For I don't esteem my life as indispensable. 
It's more important for me to fulfill my destiny and to finish the ministry my Lord Jesus has assigned to me, which is to faithfully preach the wonderful news of God's grace. That ministry is for every one of us because we're called to the ministry of reconciliation, right? Why are you all looking at me like deer in the headlights? Is this making sense today and are we doing okay? I'm really seriously trying to encourage us to believe God that he's going to do the impossible in our lives personally and as a church corporately. Pastor Mike and Vicki have been doing this thing for 38 years. It's time to see the glory of God in a way that we've never seen it before. An outpouring of his spirit so the lame walk and the blind see, the deaf hear. We want to see the manifestations of the sons of God in our life and in this church, don't we? The only way we're going to get there is to live a cross-centered life and to be willing to pay the price that needs to be paid. <coughs> will you pay it with me? Amen. We will. God gave us shepherds, put a gift in them, and we're going to overcome by the word of our testimony and the blood of the Lamb. Let's look at Jesus and then we're done, okay? I'll try to do this in five minutes. If God graced Paul for everything he faced, he will certainly grace us. Matthew 26 Jesus is in the garden at Gethsemane. Then Jesus led his disciples to an orchard called the oil press. He told them, sit here while I go and pray over there. He took Peter, Jacob, and John with him. However, an intense feeling of great sorrow plunged his soul into deep sorrow and agony. And he said to them, my heart is overwhelmed and crushed with grief. It feels as though I'm dying. Stay here and keep watch with me. Then he walked a short distance away and overcome with grief. He threw himself face down on the ground and he prayed, Father, if there is any way you can deliver me from this suffering, please take it from me. Yet what I want is not important, for I only desire to fulfill your plan for me. Then an angel from heaven appeared to strengthen him. That was the manifested grace of God for his life at that time. And that's exactly what the Father will do for every one of us. Because he's never early and he's never late. The Lord is always right on time. So hold fast to the profession of your faith, for it has great recompense of reward. Later, he came back to his three disciples, and he found them asleep. He awakened Peter and said to him, Do you lack the strength to stay awake with me for even one hour? <coughs> Keep alert and pray that you be spared from this time of testing. That's what I want. I want to stay alert spiritually in my life. I want to find myself praying without ceasing like it says in Thessalonians 5. 
always awaiting and anticipating the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, living each moment of our life, knowing that he's going to come in the twinkling of an eye. So we've got to stay busy about his business, telling people this message of hope. You should have learned by now, Jesus said, that your spirit is eager enough, but your humanity is weak. We know the King James says the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. God's grace is going to give us the ability to overcome our flesh. We're in good company at Faith Family Church. We don't have to be concerned about that. We have phenomenal leaders who know the word of God inside and out, so to speak. They are always instant in season and out. And they always bring a message of hope to us because of the love they have for this body of believers at church. We must stay alert and pray. We have to overcome our flesh, but God's grace will empower us to do so. In closing, we're going to go back to close, back where we started. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 7. When I'm putting this together, I'm envisioning Pastor Mike speaking to me and speaking to all of us as a congregation of people. I want to make the word real when I read it. The Bible isn't just great literature. It's a word that has the power to change. It is a word that is alive and sharper than any two-edged sword. Amen? Amen. So it's a word that is for our life to give us the strength and the hope that we need. Carefully consider all that I've taught you, saints of God. And may our Lord inspire you with wisdom and revelation in everything you say and do. But make Jesus the anointed one your focus in life and in ministry. Life and ministry, they go hand in hand. God, let us not separate our life from the ministry that you've called us to. Because they belong together. For he came to earth. So sorry. He came to earth as the descendant of David and rose from the dead, according to the revelation of the gospel that God has given me. This is the reason I am, in, I am persecuted and imprisoned by evildoers, enduring the suffering of these chains. But the word of God can never be chained. There is nothing that's going to hold that word back. Maybe temporarily, but if we don't quit, we win. I endure all these things, Paul says, these hardships for the benefit of the chosen ones in Christ so that they may also discover the overcoming life that is in Jesus Christ and experience the glory that lasts forever. Are you a chosen one? Yes, we are. The Greek word here for chosen has embedded within its word the word logos. God's chosen one have been chosen by the word of God to become a living word 
sent from his mouth to reveal the message of our destination. God's chosen one. We are those people. We are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye, make it personal, that I should show forth the praises of him who hath called me out of darkness and into his marvelous light. I want to share that hope that changed my life so that it changes somebody else. One by one. We want to continue to bring those people here so they get built up and strengthened in the word of God so they can win in life. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. 1 Corinthians 15.10, last scripture. But God's amazing grace, let this be our declaration today. But God's amazing grace has made me who I am. And his grace to me was not fruitless. In fact, I worked harder than all the rest, Paul said. Yet not in my own strength, but God's. For his empowering grace is poured out upon me. Father, that's what we want today. We want your amazing grace poured out upon our lives personally and corporately so we can be everything that you called us to do. Help us, God of heaven, to be strengthened by your grace and empowered by your supernatural ability to strengthen our natural ability so we can be the Christians that you've called us to be. True, genuine, authentic, living pure lives with clean hands and a pure heart, sanctified as a vessel before you and as an offering to those around us. God, have your way in us. Do in us of your good pleasure and show us the way to the cross daily so we honor you with how we live our lives on bended knee with elevated hands looking to the Savior, Jesus Christ, who you resurrected from the dead. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes, please? Let's pray this today. Just repeat after me. Father, I come to you today acknowledging that my life is not yet what you want it to be. But I'm stirred in my heart. I'm committed to your word. And I'm determined to make it an overcome. So I ask for your grace to empower me so my natural ability becomes your supernatural ability. I completely surrender and give my life to you and cast my cares at your altar. And I say today, Lord, have your way. Do in me what you want to do so that I can bring life to others around me. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give a shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Amen.
Thank you for listening to today's message. We'd love for you to join us for our Sunday morning service at 10 o'clock. We also have our midweek service every week on Wednesday nights from 7 to 8. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.